Welcome to Beyond the Complexity, the podcast where Utah Valley Institute students and teachers share their inspiring stories of getting past their complexities and sharing about struggles, trials, and blessings in discovering their relationships with Christ. I'm your host, Ray. Just a reminder that none of these episodes are official doctrine or stances from the Institute, only personal experiences and stories. Get ready to delve into the stories that remind us that even amidst life's complexities, there's always a path through Jesus Christ beyond the complexity. Hi, welcome back to Simplicity Beyond the Complexity. I am Reagan, your host, and today we are here with Connor. Connor, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, hello. Yeah, I'm Connor Oates-Bowles. I go here to Utah Valley University studying psychology graduate this semester so that's awesome that's exciting <laughs> that's so exciting i know i'm excited i'm excited yeah i was i was gonna serve a mission god had other plans for me just been dating my girlfriend for a year now and that's things are awesome. going well so just rolling with that and and seeing where life takes me next and where god takes me next so that's super exciting mm-hmm. that's awesome I'm, I'm really excited for your story today i know we talked a little bit before and mm-hmm. you just have a really unique beautiful story so i'm excited to yeah. share that with our listeners today i'm excited do we want to go ahead and just kind of start from the beginning like what was yeah. your life growing up and mm-hmm. what what um started your journey yeah definitely you grew up in a good home really amazing parents that just they really taught me how to love um all growing up i had people living with us um I think the first person who lived with us was my brother's friend Brian from Ghana my parents just had that heart like my just mom's super loving super loving, <laughs> super loving my mom grew up in just a really good home my dad as well my dad grew up in like a tough situation but he had a good father and that kind of will go into that with like how my dad like raised me and I think his father played a big role in how uh, he was able to hold things down for us. Economy collapsed in 2008. We kind of lost everything. And this is a really condensed version, but my parents ended up separating. Yeah. Um, I went and lived with my dad. I mean, things got really humble really quick. I was living in a huge house with a pool and an acre backyard, playing <laughs> three sports, living the life. Living the life. <laughs> things, I mean, things at home, you could feel it were off, you know? Like things were humble. And then, and then my sister moved in with my mom and I saw my mom every once in a while. Um, and, and we'd go to lunch or like we'd go hang out and stuff. And, and so that's one thing I want people to know. Like, I don't want people to get a bad perspective. Like my mom, like you meet her and she's the most amazing lady. Like you can't not feel love from her. During that time when I moved in with my dad, she was, she was fairly there and it was just humble. I mean, my dad's a hard worker and he's a big lover and he tried his best to help us, but we were all in sports and we liked hanging out with the girls and all that. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, it got to the point where there had been times like my dad had like boiled water on the stove to like bathe us just cause like he was like working two jobs, like doing everything he can. The economy collapsed in 2008 because of real estate and he was in real estate. So yeah. So rough times, rough times. And I don't think I realized like how things were getting to me mentally. Cause I kind of just like started just giving up on things. Like I was like, the star of my football team growing up and then come eighth grade like everyone was getting more physically mature than me and I just I don't know I like I've talked about I didn't have a good relationship with resistance and I want to touch on that later I think that's one of the most important things in life is having a a good relationship with resistance and I didn't and so any type of resistance I just wanted to give up you know yeah 
No, that makes sense. No. So at this time, you're living with your dad. Mm -hmm. You um, are kind of just getting into trouble with your brothers and, mm -hmm. and friends and Literally. stuff. Just yeah. living the life mm -hmm. <laughs> as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then contact with your mom every once in a while. Every once in a while. You are you're you are in the church at this point, so you're attending sacrament and kind of. Kind okay, of, kind of. Okay. yeah, baptized when I was eight, but because of just the family dynamics, it was like in and out. Like, okay. And my dad was trying his best, but like he would work on a lot of Sundays. We went every once in a while, but we didn't like we would like say prayers at night and stuff, but like it didn't. Re I didn't know what it was. Okay. Like we didn't like read scriptures or anything like that. So. Okay. Do you feel like you still learned a lot from this experience, or like from going to church and stuff? Like you knew, like you, were you learning the doctrine, or were you more just like going and kind of, like. I would just go because my dad wanted us to go. <laughs> okay. So, like, I remember, like, having, like, a very interesting relationship with, like, the church. Like, I thought, like, a lot of it was just really weird and, okay. like, off. Okay. And, like, I wanted to hang out with my friends that played sports and, you know, like, <laughs> hung out with girls and stuff. So, no, like, personal testimony. Like, maybe a little bit, like, from example. But nothing, like, super testimony strong right now at this point. None, honestly, okay. whatsoever. Like, if there could be a zero percent, it was probably zero. Really? Yeah. Like, I remember, like, every once in a while, like, kind of feeling good when I came home. Like, I'm excited when the class is out so I can go home. But, and, like, I didn't read the scriptures. I didn't pray. I didn't know what any of it meant, honestly. Like, at all. I was just like, this is just something that a collective does. So, after this, I know you just, you mentioned briefly, um, you got involved with a little bit of sports. Mm -hmm. um, and your brothers were involved with sports, too. And yeah. just hanging out with friends and stuff yeah so what kind of um what kind of sports were you doing and yeah so baseball um football i grew up playing hockey but we stopped but it was just football and baseball at this time okay yeah. yeah and then it was like literally like football baseball friends and that was it it was like the homies and and sports <laughs> like that was like that's, it and that's just what yeah. we wanted to do like the all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was your experience with sports? I, I had a good experience with sports until eighth grade. Okay. Like when things like because this is right. This is right when my parents separated. Okay. It was like seventh grade. So eighth grade. And, and like I went from like a huge home to like a town home and then into a home and then into apartment. So it was just like it was so hard mentally and again the resistance came up and then we were on like food stamps which i don't think helped with the resistance like i don't know my dad made us work hard for everything but i also think like there was a point where like where my brother had like the food stamps card and we could go and get like snacks that we wanted and like my dad like wanted us to get like real food but I don't know. I don't think that played a good relationship with resistance because I'm like I can go and get junk food when I want it and like it gave me almost like a way out you know mm. like when resistance came it gave me a way out i can go back home and i have a place to stay and like food to eat and stuff which is like not a bad thing right yeah but in my mind i think it gave me a cop out and i used that cop out okay and like kids were getting more physically mature than me so pretty much do you want me to just hop into like a little bit like what happened yeah. with that yeah, yeah. so it. long story short this is where i felt like i was kind of like losing my soul almost like just bouncing from one thing to the next and i'm like i really am lost right now mm -hmm. a few years earlier my friend introduced me to masturbation had no idea what it was yeah. like had no idea. introduced me to masturbation that gave me another cop out just kind of a relief of <laughs> yeah 
I didn't even know what it was. Like I really had, I didn't even know it was sexual. I was 12. And so now I'm like 14 became an addiction, became a way to escape. I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't even know it was like a way to escape until resistance came. Mm-hmm. And then I think the adversary is like, Oh, well like you got this thing and you got like junk food and you got like, you know, <laughs> and I used it. And yeah. so, um, when everyone was getting more physically mature than me, I just felt like I didn't want to go to weightlifting. We had a new coach. Like almost like you weren't good enough. And so you fell back on things that gave you like, like temporary pleasure almost for like sure. The food and, mm-hmm. and masturbation. And yeah. Stuff. Okay. And it was unsurety and it was work cause it wasn't given to me. And I knew it. I think my soul knew it like a new coach. I have to work for I never had to work for anything in sports my whole life. I didn't ever mm-hmm. put in any extra training. Cause like, it was just like my family genetics, like, just I mean my brother's in the NFL you know like Mm -hmm. my uncles were in the NFL that's not to be braggadocious or boastful it was just (laughs) like how my mom and my dad's genetics worked you know it was just like the perfect combo for like athleticism but when it came to working for it that's when again the resistance came and I had these things was like okay you either work for it but then I had these things in my back pocket and I turned to those Um, long story short I showed up to tryouts again we went to the state championship I think the previous three years straight yeah um and you were so you were like naturally talented mm -hmm. but when it came to the pushback sorry yeah go on no exactly (laughs) it's important to highlight that honestly and so yeah I just at tryouts I just didn't try Mm -hmm. I just I didn't want to try like, I didn't want to try, and I remember it clear as day. I literally put in no effort. Connor, like, if you don't try, you're going to get cut from the team. Like, you were the starting quarterback the year before it took us to the state championship. I just didn't try. I literally just gave up. And in front of everybody, humiliating, like, I get cut. In front of all my all my peers growing up, in front of all the parents that knew me since the third grade, like, it was humiliating. Like, I just remember being so... I remember not wanting to go to school. I remember wanting to leave that school, and I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see anybody from my team. I don't want to go to a single game. I'm not playing for the B team. Like, a lot of pride, but a lot of hurt. Like, I was just so hurt. But, like, what would I expect? I didn't give up. I wanted it to be given to me, you know? Yeah. And... Yeah, so that that led into um, bouncing around, and I got held back because I was like, well, it's just because I wasn't physically mature, and mm-hmm. I started playing the excuse game, and I was a very convincing person, like mm-hmm. very passionate, and so I just like kind of convinced my dad. Um, so I was just relying off natural athleticism, and so so kind of bouncing yeah. around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So I bounced around. Um, went to Pleasant Grove, had a bad experience there, got kicked off the basketball team for going snowboarding. <laughs> and I was like, again, I was like, I don't want anything to do. I'm so embarrassed. Like, yeah. it was just like one embarrassing moment after the other. Then I moved down to Manti with my mom and my stepdad. That was the first time. That's when like pornography started getting coming into play right around that time. Pleasant Grove, a little bit in Lehigh, but then when I moved down down to Manti. And then just the pornography with like me, my stepbrothers and masturbation was not a good thing. So kind of um I I kinda wanna highlight this a little bit. So mm-hmm. you are jumping around from place to place and yeah. when you get to a place you're like, okay, like you're by yourself, you're like, I'm gonna try this again. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't work out, you like are like when there's resistance, you have a really hard time with that and you you try and bounce again and say like, okay, well this time it's clean slate. I'm going to try again and it's going to be like fresh and good. And it's kind of what's going on. hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. Okay. And it's like, it's a thing. Like I still, I feel like I need, 
I, I don't know crisis kind of healed me from that yeah but like i it, think it, a lot of people struggle with that like thinking they can only depend on themselves right and mm-hmm. be like i can do this i can overcome this challenge and then like they're they like get stuck again for sure yeah yeah yeah. i mean my i don't think my parents knew what was going on in my head they were just like this kid's been through a lot and like he needs love and i was also very convincing yeah so they were kind of not even seeing the resistance yeah i don't think they really saw it or really realized what they were aiding okay but they were aiding and them also going through their own challenges at this time too yeah Yeah. okay yeah like (laughs) crazy challenges yeah you know like absurd like like my dad telling me like he's going to bed at night like every night crying you know Mm. and like hearing that is just like man i would never would have known i never would have known and i want to highlight that like my dad made things not feel hard Mm. like that's a good dad (laughs) he's an amazing man and like my mom too like even when we went down to manti like they just tried to make things not feel as hard yeah they just tried so hard just really both of them had a lot of love for the kids and wanted the best for the kids and one thousand percent yeah that's Mm -hmm. beautiful yeah so you're um you're bouncing around Mm -hmm. from place to place and then um you said that at this time you're kind of getting into worse things and kind of spiraling a little bit for sure okay and that was like the thing like i was i'd hang out with friends in the eighth grade but it's like it's crazy like now when things would get tough i'd have like something that i could go back to right with Mm -hmm. like masturbation or like self-loathing or like whatever it was whereas before i would have to like look the tough situation in the face and like figure out like do i want a new friend group or like do i want to go try a new sport do i want a new like that's where i think in like the olden days like not necessarily saying they had anything easy and they had their own experiences but like an age without access to things like that mm-hmm. so readily like you have to face you have to look at the tough situation in your life and like you have less options to run from it yeah you know no definitely so um what what kind of did this lead to yeah yeah exactly and so i going down to manti um it just opened up more doors so now the pornography was like a very because again at first it wasn't sexual and then i got introduced to pornography and then it became sexual mm. um and then down in manti um it was very prevalent and then it went into the reaching out to other girls and then it, and then it came to like physical connection with like other females mm. um but with that being said sports and my friends were still top priority mm, okay. like, that was definitely second priority and so, but it just, it, it started opening up more doors. And then, um, that led to, I was up here, um, on a weekend and then I smoked hookah for the first time that opened up another door. It's just opening up more darkness and like it progressively had like the door progressively got wider, like straight and narrow and like the wide gate, you know, mm-hmm. and it just get progressively got wider and more dark, um, and more things that I wasn't saying no to. Like finding other outlets. Mm-hmm. From, yeah. To for yeah. that resistance. <laughs> yeah. And and like, it's like almost at this point, I wasn't even using it for an outlet. It was just the doors open and like, it was like exciting almost. Mm, okay. So like now, 
yes, when resistance came, Satan had more things he could throw my way. Mm. But a lot of the times I wasn't even doing it because of resistance. Now the door was just open. So it was just like curiosity and like, oh, I guess. And like fitting in. Yeah. Trying to like seem cool with like the older kids and like my brother's, um, my stepbrother's sister and her friends. And so pretty much um, smoked hookah came back up the next weekend smoked marijuana for the first time okay went to practice um literally felt like i couldn't breathe i remember looking at my stepbrother and i'm like never again at the season are we doing that <laughs> so basketball honestly saved my life like if <laughs> kept you away from that <laughs> oh 100 because i wanted to play division one basketball mm-hmm. if if it wasn't for basketball i don't know where i would have been but long story short with my brother garrett we had a tough relationship growing up um we had to end up like we had to kick him out of the house and it wasn't like kick him out of the house. We just had to find different situation that worked because me and him were getting violent fights. Um, and he struggled with, with things as well that weren't good to be around for us kids. But like he was trying the best that he could with some very traumatic experiences growing up because he understood everything that was going on when we didn't. Yeah. And so family took him in. He went on a mission came back from his mission, went down to Snow College, and he was preparing to play Division One bat, uh, football during this time I was down at Mansi. Um, and so I knew the importance of working hard and, and staying true to, like, your craft and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, came up senior year for basketball, um, fractured my L5 in my back uh, my senior year. <laughs> and, yeah, it was – Especially when sports is so important to you in your life. And- it was everything. And, like, my coach that year was, like – you're going to be the 4A MVP. Everyone on my team thought <laughs> going to take them to the state championship. I didn't even know that was in their mind. Like that was the thing. I was so internal. I didn't even, I wasn't seeing things clearly mm-hmm. at all in my life. And the lack of spirituality, I had zero confidence my whole life. Just kind of like numb at this point is what you're saying. And there's so much pushback. There's so much adversary. There's so much like going against you that you you have these things that you kind of like use to relieve that stress, right? Like for sure. Um, and, and just feeling like almost numb, like nothing is really mattering at this point. Cause everything just pushed you down. Yeah. Like, well, the thing was, is like, I didn't necessarily feel numb because basketball Okay. and because like it, it, it came down to like, I wanted to be around friends so much, but I had like some of my closest friends, like do me dirty so basketball is something you kind of like rely on is what you're saying pretty much and like in my head i'm like man it it felt like i had no one at that point in my life Mm -hmm. i like have no relationship with my mom haven't seen my dad my dad tries his best but he has so much going on don't even know my siblings you know like have zero relationship with my siblings so i'm like basketball is my thing and i was really good like to the point where my coach was like, I really think you're going to have like any Pac-12 scholarship and like all these things he's telling me before the season, which was my dream. And so like, I remember like my, a good homie, Seth Berlin, love that kid would try to get me to hang out with friends. Like when I first transferred up to Timpanogos and I'm like, I just want to play basketball. Mm -hmm. I remember going one night to a group of friends and it was interesting because that moment, such a good group of guys, Caden, like all these just good kids, AJ, I remember I realized that's what I wanted. Like, that's what I actually want. I didn't want to play basketball. That's what I wanted. I wanted people that cared about me and that were good people. Something kind of like told you like, hey, this is like, this is a good place. These are good people. Mm -hmm. This is who you're supposed to be. Yeah. And looking back on it now, that's all I really wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was love. And it was Christ-like love. It was honestly trans. It was transformational. But in my mind, because I was so driven in one area, I remember it feeling amazing being there. And it was like one of like the best nights I've had in so long with a group of any friends. And it's so crazy looking back on it. It's so clear to me. But I was still driven with basketball. Yeah. Anyways, fracture my back, right? And then my mentality was horrible. Again, I had a terrible relationship with resistance and I was going to go try to play college basketball. Mm -hmm. Like those two things do not work out (laughs) like well at all. And just life in general, trying to do anything successful in life with a bad relationship with resistance, that's a recipe for disaster. Resistance is going to come no matter what, Mm -hmm. even if it's in the form of your own mind. And that's what was my kryptonite. Like had all the talent in the world, six foot five, like almost a four DNs vertical, like all the talent in the world, like... Mm -hmm holding my own against like an NBA player and Frank Jackson, like all these things. And then fracture my back, let that get to me mentally. Didn't play good. Let that get to me mentally. Didn't play good. The second game, I just let it take me out. But that's where like the story is very interesting because like, I remember feeling like this, like I like, and it was almost like the same in eighth grade. And that's where I feel like just God has a plan for you. Like Mm -hmm. then I started trying to date this girl, even though, looking at it now like I don't know what I was thinking and yeah she ended up breaking up with me on a whim oh man I was we were doing things we shouldn't um and I was also smoking and I was kind of my control and like she she wanted me to stop smoking weed with with my buddy because after basketball ended I started smoking and drinking partying mm-hmm. um and I was smoking weed with my buddy and we we would have what we would call good experiences you know what i mean (laughs) just no responsibilities getting high and eating food it was just it was dumb but i didn't want to give it up because like i didn't trust her i didn't trust that she could love me and like it ended up leading to where she's like okay like we just can't be together it was never meant to be anyways but that wrecked me because i took my whole life taking my eggs from one basket to the next to the next to the next to the next and I put my eggs in this final basket. And I was like, okay, basketball didn't work out. That's fine. Because all I wanted was love anyways. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to put it in here. We're going to get married. I'm going to become a physician's assistant, I remember. <laughs> I remember talking with her mom about like going to like Arkansas or something, like a school out there that she like knew of. And just like, <laughs> there's just like such like a, such a pipe dream, you know? Because like I like, we'd have like one, I've like talked to her mom a handful of times. It was just like very young, like not seeing things clearly. Long story short, when she broke up with me was the first time I, I was out of high school. Every, all my plans ended. I decided to internalize through that internalization. I went through an eating disorder, got Mm -hmm. super obsessed with the gym, went through an eating disorder. I got to like 3% body fat, super ripped. That's what I was, you know, striving (laughs) to do. Like, Oh, if I looked good, whatever, had zero confidence, started putting my confidence in my body. Um, and then I lost 60 pounds in three months. Holy crap. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was horrible. And like I, my, my hearing started going out. Like it was so bad. Just I was super unhealthy. Yeah. It was horrible. I was dying and my parents were like planning my funeral cause I wouldn't eat. Um, and it just became a control thing. And I like, I think just every, I, like the, the marijuana was the first control thing and giving up that i remember like exhibiting Mm -hmm. um and probably like some of the pornography and masturbation Mm -hmm. and then but this was like major control because everything is just crashed in my life 
and I didn't want to give it up until the point I almost died. I almost died one night in Vasa. It was crazy experience. Like I felt like the world stopped, and I thought I was going to freeze to death or have a heart attack. And it just it slapped me so hard. And I just remember calling my dad crying, and I was sitting in the sauna, and I told him I was dying because I was legit. My body was shutting down. Like I, like clear as day, my body was shutting down. Like I thought I was going to die that night. And I remember just like eating like seven bowls of cereal because my dad's like, do you need to go to the hospital? I was like, I need, if I don't get food, I'm going to die. I have no heat and like my body shutting down. I ate like seven bowls of cereal. And like, then I just like, my body was just absorbing it, absorbing, absorbing it. And then got to the point where I was, I just felt like off and I was like, hey, we should go to the hospital. So we went there. I can't remember if I stayed overnight or not. It's kind of a blur during this time. I went down to get help an eating disorder clinic but like I realized those people had like a lot of psychological problems and mine was like a control addiction so I decided to do it on my own um that led me to so I started selling marijuana um to make like income on the side I looked at it as a business opportunity so I started got just I mean I was around people I was into I was intoxicating people like all day long you know what I mean uh, intoxicating myself smoking drinking going to parties like surrounding myself with really bad things trying to overcome the hardest thing I've ever gone through you know where it just corrupted my mind like I didn't know what was up down left or right I had no confidence like it was horrible and God bless my brother Hunter's soul. If I didn't have him, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. He loved me, and he didn't ever cease loving me, and he didn't ever treat me differently. I was a hard person to be around. I had, my hormones were so jacked up, like, because I was trying to overcome an eating disorder on my own, which the death rate is something like 30, 40% for people who get that low. If I remember correctly, it might, it might be like 20%, but it's a high death rate. Like, the people were like, you need to get straight to an outpatient or an inpatient clinic when you go back to Utah. And I remember telling my dad in the car, I was like, I'll never step foot back foot into an eating disorder place because. It was just traumatizing to me. And that's not saying anyone on this, they shouldn't go to an eating disorder place because I felt like I probably would have recovered faster. But something in me told me, like, I needed to do it on my own. Like, I I don't know what it was. And maybe, maybe it was a little bit of pride and ego. Um, but maybe just a lot of hurt, you know, and, and a lot of trauma. I think it was just scared. I was scared of, like, if if, if help meant that, then that's not what I want. And that's not what always help means, but that's what my mind took it as. And anyways, long story short, I just got to a point where like I had hit, I'd broken through a couple walls with the eating disorder, but I hit a brick wall where like I was convinced I couldn't taste food. It was a crazy thought, but I was so anxious that any anxious thought would just stick. And I know someone who's listening to us right now who's had those (laughs) over anxious thoughts know what I'm talking about. Like you're so anxious, they're like, anything that you resist just persists and like it'll just like take you out and spiral and that's how every single day was for me I I was so scared I couldn't taste food I was so scared I couldn't have conversations with people and I was so scared I couldn't enjoy music and in the present moment that's what it was I was so caught up in my head I couldn't enjoy what the present moment gives just in a really really dark place so dark and I I I literally had I had enough marijuana in my house to lock me up in prison for 20 years at that point 10 20 years driving in the cross state lines it was horrible like and again it wasn't like i i looked at it as like a business endeavor and not like a like a a dark endeavor you know what i mean like i for me it was just like my good friends like that i was like distributing things to you know yeah and so in that in that state i i 
it was 24 7 hell i couldn't sleep I, I i just i literally would just i didn't i would say a prayer like it was just a hope i didn't even know what prayer was at that point i wasn't praying i wasn't reading my scriptures for now like which had been like close to all 20 years of my life you know what i mean i've never said my own prayer scripture like and i'm 21 now ever like not once like i may have said the prayer a couple times for food and stuff like that and like maybe going to bed like Mm -hmm. because my dad told me to or something but like (laughs) i didn't know what any of it meant and so at this point it was just so dark and so scary it was horrible like it was literally like the loops the ocd loops the spirals the anxious thoughts that like i know people are experiencing right now and i feel you if you need anything reach out to me because i know what that's like and it was it was tough it was tough and i was just i didn't know how much longer i could keep trying because i was trying everything literally everything under the sun i would wake up at 7 a.m to work out i try all these different foods i try to eat slow to eat fast to tap my foot when i was talking to people to stand up straighter in my car so i can enjoy music (laughs) like anything and i i realized my soul was trying to get into the present moment yeah but i was so caught up in my head i just slip into my head i'd slip into my head i'd slip into my head and i I, some reason couldn't get into the present moment long story short got to the point where that one night i would often overeat because it wasn't that i couldn't taste food but i just wasn't present enough to actually enjoy it Hmm. like enjoy a conversation like when you're anxious in a conversation you don't enjoy it yeah and so i'd overeat because i wanted to feel any something and that was like the only thing i could feel because i couldn't sleep talk to people nothing because those were things that were out of my control this was like the only thing i could control yeah um long story short overate again had the thoughts of oh i'm gonna gain weight from this all these you know had all these things still in my head from the eating disorder everything um and i was ready to give up that night i i sat back on my seat and i was just like i like i was gonna go play division one basketball i was on top of the world four against vertical all these things that it was all worldly for sure Mm -hmm. but this was a thought going through my head and i just realized i'm like i'm 170 pounds i think i can't taste food and I can't even have a conversation with I can't even I can't even go to lunch with my own mother without having like a almost a panic attack because I'm just so Anxious intimidated of conversation of connection with anybody. Yeah. And I I just was ready to give up. I sat back in my seat. A little bit of a backstory. My brother went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who went down and played football at Snow College went to the NFL because of Jesus, and he'll admit it. Jesus led him and guided him. And during that time, he was going to help me go play basketball again because he reached out to me. How are you doing? Not doing good. Well, maybe you should think about playing basketball again. I was like, I'm open to that. And he had a trainer who was training top level talent, training a couple players in the NBA. I thought he was just blowing smoke that I could go train with him. Reached out to this guy. He's like, yeah, I'll have you train with me for $25 a day, which is super cheap. He was going to give me a deal because he loved Garrett. So I was going to go down there. So I started training again torturing myself in the gym horrible to myself like just to the point where my hands are bleeding from dribbling so much and cuts on my hands from working at dominoes and stuff and uh i i realized i didn't want to play basketball i just wanted these things to end and i thought basketball was going to end these things and bring my life back yeah and so garrett would reach out to me but he had the spirit and so there's a couple times you'd ask me how i was doing i'd break down i'd cry 
um, but I wouldn't really explain to him everything. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And he's like, no, dude, just keep trying. Like, we're going to get your life back on track. Like, we're good. And so he was that support system, which I felt like I, I didn't have a support system that was doing things with their life. Like, my brother Hunter, most amazing human. Anybody who knows Hunter who's listening to this, he's the most amazing kid. Like, he just has a heart a gold without him I probably would have died honestly but Garrett being a professional athlete has a family now there was something about it it was really the spirit in him anyways he called me I sat back in my seat that night at Wingstop and he called in that moment he's very active in the church now went on a mission right got sealed in the temple with his family like just a good kid sit back in that seat he calls me and he asked me how I'm doing and I just I break down I'm crying I leave Wingstop I'm sitting on the curb, bawling my eyes out, and I'm like, bro, I can't do it. I'm ready to give up. I was atheist at this point. Anyways, Garrett, we talked on the curb, and he's like, dude, I've been waiting to tell you, but you need God in your life. Like, you're like a paper bag blowing in the wind. Like, you're left, right, up, down, straight. Like, he spoke some hope into my soul. I was like, man, he's kind of right. And and the God thing was the one thing I didn't try yet. Like, because I gave up on it. Because I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I just said I believed in God my whole life because I felt like I had to. But I didn't. I don't even know what that means. And so, priesthood session the general conference happened to be the very next day. And he's like, dude, like, do you remember? Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> Coincidence. Like, just destined, you know. He's like, get dad, get Weston. And he's like, take Hunter with you and go. And I was like, bro, I just, I just... Like, cause I was really into the mindset thing at that point mm-hmm. and it scared me to death. Cause I thought like a lot of people were saying like life's what you make it. And we talked about that. Like life's just whatever you make it, whatever, whatever you, whatever you want to see is what you'll see. Whatever you manifest is what you'll manifest and all that. And I'm not saying that like things like that can't come true in your life, but like that scared me to death. Cause that made me think that like, well, what if I'm just an anxious mess? Is my life just going to be an anxious mm-hmm. mess? Like really scared to face that. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like I can't even get out of this. So that's just going to be my reality for the rest of my life. What about the people who are growing up in like hard situations <laughs> and all that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just messed up and I'm I'm in this place. Exactly. And like then having the anxious thought that like, whoa, whatever you are experiencing and seeing is your reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a horrible feeling. And like it was like the worst feeling that nothing made me want to not be here more than that feeling. Yeah. Did honestly. That was like the biggest thing. It scared me to death. It like half was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I can like change my life off a of mindset, but like half, like I don't even I don't even know if I could do this. Like this is just scary. Yeah. So, um, you said you mentioned, well, you mentioned <laughs> that you, um, had the priesthood session that night. Yeah. So what happened at the, the priesthood yeah, session? Yep. So at the priesthood session, I'll never forget it. Sat in the comfy seats, <laughs> dad, people next to me, Weston, I think I was on the far left. First man came on the screen. So it was April of 2018. The, the man who came on the screen, I don't remember if it was Down H. Oaks or, um, Henry B. Iron. I just remember he came onto the screen and I just felt like, I felt a different feeling and I like felt something and I was so numb for so long trying to feel anything. And I just remember like, I just remember I felt like he was like looking at me specifically, but it was like a, it was like a spiritual, like a deeper feeling. Like a connection. Yeah. It was crazy. Exactly. Connection. Hit it on the head. It's exactly what it was. It was a connection like to my soul mm-hmm. and my soul. Like it was almost like, again, they're speaking for Christ. And so like my soul was like, like this is, this is my father. This is my brother. You know, and I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know what was going on. I just remember like feeling good and like they had so much joy. And then like, 
I just started feeling like peace in the whole place and just like a good, like warm feeling. And every single word that proceeded out forth out of every single one of those men's mouth that night, that little kid who just wanted to love his whole life, that just wanted to be seen, that didn't want to turn to these things. Like it just, he started like becoming happy and being more full and, and growing. I was like a starved, like little sheep. And I was like getting nutrients and that the hay and the milk and like growing. Um, and like, it's like talks about like milk and honey in the Bible. And like, I just feel like it's so relevant, like at this moment, like, I just felt like I was growing and it was just like an incredible experience. And it wasn't like, like the, the heavens open and the stars aligned or nothing, but it was just an amazing experience. And I felt something again, and it was an incredible, incredible feeling. And I just remember leaving there. And I called my brother Garrett and I was like, bro, it worked. Like it worked. Like, (laughs) what is that? Like, that's amazing, bro. Like, I love this. Like, and I was talking to him about it. He's like, bro, like that feeling changed my life. Like that feeling is why I went on a mission. I was reading my scriptures one day and that feeling came to me and it hit me like lightning and I knew I had to serve. And he's like, why do you think I'm in the NFL now? Because of that, bro. That's called the spirit. And he's like, that feeling will guide you. I love that. Yeah. Just kind of a really good role model pushing you forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he saved my life. He, man, like he saved my life. And I I can never thank him enough for that. Yeah, no, for real. Sounds like an amazing brother. Mm -hmm. And and pointing out the spirit and and what you were feeling. Mm -hmm. What what did it look like after that? Like what? Yeah. What kind of took you out? Sorry, it's been a long long story. You're okay. But uh, yeah, so that feeling gave me hope the next day so when we were talking on the phone that night he's like well general conference is, is tomorrow he's like here we go exactly yeah like like what a weekend to to want to give up you know and i know i know everyone listening to this doesn't have that experience all the like all the time that's not something that, that happens all the time but i can testify that if you do reach out and you do want to get better and you do pray and involve god in christ that they'll send someone your way just be open to whoever it is that gets sent your way because you never know who it's going to be. It could be like your four-year-old nephew, you know, (laughs) you never know. Yeah. God speaks to anybody like Moses and all these people he uses in the Bible or just people you would never guess, you know, just saying the words that Mm -hmm. would still provide me that area to venture and feel the spirit for myself, you know? And, uh, which I think is so important when leading and helping people is allowing them to feel the spirit for themselves and just be a support. Yeah. I, that's what people need. Like people don't need prophecies and preaching or anything like that. I mean, it can help sometimes, but a lot of times people just need you to sit with them and know that you care about them. Yeah. No matter what decision they make, even if they give you a middle finger and cuss <laughs> you out, whatever, like they know that they can still come back to you because you're going to love them listening goes a long way yeah mm-hmm. and showing that love for sure yeah yeah it's amazing like just love in general and so yeah i watched general conference and both sessions and it was incredible and i just felt so happy like i think for the first time i in my life like true joy and i was so it was just incredible like it was the most amazing experience and was there anything in particular in conference that kind of like really stuck out to you or more just like the feeling of like I couldn't I honestly couldn't tell you a single word that was said really? it was the feeling <laughs> yeah it was just the feeling like 
it was like my soul was listening but like my mind couldn't comprehend anything it Almost, was strictly the feeling okay so like you were in this like it's super dark super dark place mm-hmm. and you come to this place and even though even though they're saying words and stuff it's more just that feeling of like joy and that feeling of like peace like seeping into that darkness and feeling just a lot better for sure okay yeah gotcha. that's such a good way to put it you're you got amazing questions you're such a good interviewer <laughs> but yeah like and just in tune with the spirit you know because mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was okay like i was a dark soul like i have a picture i'll show you after this of myself during that time mm-hmm. like the look in my eyes i wasn't a dark person but my soul was hopeless and you can see it like i yeah and i i mean you take something dark and you put it in the light light will always magnify dark especially if you sit in it long enough and like i'm such a big component of like just getting yourself in it in it in an environment you can feel christ you don't need to do these big elaborate prayers or whatever but if you're in an environment where light is long enough it will dispel and cast out that darkness Mm -hmm. some of the times and like like i'm now pretty much overcame the whole eating disorder and everything and like a lot of the healing came from me just sitting in prayer with christ and not saying a word mm-hmm. and a literally allowing his light to dispel darkness within my soul and we've talked about that like being willing to let go of it mm-hmm. because it can be a comfort zone like you almost it's a weird cognitive thought and i think like a good therapist lds family services or anybody else like matt draper here on campus owns his own place really good people mm-hmm. that can help you just let go of things surrounding yourself with really good people that help you get that light uh-huh for sure i know you i know you were super involved with the institute afterwards too uh-huh. and yeah. they probably had a big a big impact on that as well game changer you mentioned that church was kind of what gave you that light and it was hard to find that right then in the scriptures and in and other things right yeah. so did that come later on yeah it did come later on like i think through there were so many ups and downs like times that i was like i'm so anxious like i i need to get like a thc pen to calm my anxiety and like then i would go back to my bishop and feel like i'd get slapped back so there was so many like <laughs> just a wrestle with god oh for sure. <laughs> a big wrestle i love the way you put that because it was just a straight wrestle yeah and so I can't deny this feeling. Yeah. I can't deny it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, my mind and Christ, he was trying to heal my mind. My soul wanted everything to do with it. Yeah. But my, that's why praying and reading my scriptures didn't work because I didn't know how to get out of my head. But being at church and being around people like forced me to be present because I didn't want to not be present with people. Mm. And I think that like just being social throughout my life um, and maybe someone listening to this who's going through a similar experience, it might be the opposite. Prayer and scripture study might be their thing and church might be the really hard thing Mm -hmm. because they don't want to let go of things. And to be around people, like you really have to let go of things Mm -hmm. and allow things to flow. Letting go of things, especially if you've been through a lot of trauma, is not an easy endeavor by any means. But I think like, Anybody listening to this who's in a space of healing, whether you're with Christ or without Christ, atheist, whatever it may be, being willing to let go of the things that are hurting you. And I truly believe that like the savior of our world is the only the only thing that can do that. And it's not a naive letting go. It's putting yourself in an environment where you feel the spirit and you feel good and you're around good people and you feel that light come in. And then for me, 
And I truly believe for everyone, God will give us a chance. Like if you want that, that light and you want that continued flow and you want that smoothness in a relationship, like our conversation now and, and talking with people, he'll give you an option for me. It's like, let go of food, Connor, mm-hmm. let it go. I still battle that now. Yeah. I still battle that on days. Like that's still something that Satan will get to me as a comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. And we have these comfort zones and even someone who is feeling good and they're like, I got a good relationship with Christ. <laughs> They could be having something that they might hold on to from every once in a while. Yes. Or you you get in a fight with a significant other or whatever it may be or a friend or like you have a bad relationship with the bishop or someone in the ward or like whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And like you have that anger and you and you you don't want to let go of it. Yeah, I love I love that principle. Just you have to push past the like like God. God gives us the uncomfortable, right? And and our comfortable are those things, right? Like mm-hmm. like um, addiction and and masturbation and drinking and drugs and just little like outlets, you know. But I love that God pushes us past and gets us into the uncomfortable, and that's where we actually find like Christ, you know, that's where we find joy and Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable. If you don't like going to church, it's uncomfortable to go to church. And, Mm -hmm. or if things are said that you're like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, and being around people who I like reaching out to people and talking to people, like that's an uncomfortable thing to do. And, but in order to get out of the darkness, you have to reach out. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to be uncomfortable a little bit for know? sure so well it's said. not fun to like while you're scrolling on instagram or tiktok to be like hmm, you know what i'm gonna open up a verse right now like that's uncomfortable uh-huh, that's uh-huh, uncomfortable uh-huh, for me sometimes uh-huh. you yeah, know yeah, yeah yeah but it's through that that you have those spiritual experiences and that you have that light you know mm-hmm. and can feel that joy and can feel that peace it's through it's through following those promptings right for sure which you are like a beautiful example of i love how you push past that uncomfortable and you you put yourself in those situations where you could feel the joy and feel christ you know? yeah 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 that's beautiful that's an amen mic drop to it like <laughs> I, I i mean i 100 percent agree like just doing being willing to act on the spirit and that's what saved my life yeah like it was little things like leaving home from a singles ward one day and like the spirit's like hey like go go out and and go to the lunch and mingle mm-hmm. or the munch and mingle out there and i was like oh, i don't want to it's a <laughs> resistance right it's like a resistance i guess you can call it uncomfortable yeah. but it's like it's a, it's a beautiful of, thing yeah a you know uncomfortable <laughs> yeah as we're wrapping up the podcast yeah. what are some things that you would or advice you would give to the listeners listening on how to have that view and on how to ha- how to get that past that complexity yeah and get past that uncomfortable yeah good point yeah giving yourself a choice not enslaving yourself to have to do things or to not do things not like i have to eat healthy or i have to pray or i have to read my scriptures but really laying everything out on the table and allowing yourself to to experience like okay well like maybe i don't go to church today and being open with it don't judge yourself don't shame yourself don't let don't be around other people who are going to do the same mm-hmm. you know that's not from jesus jesus doesn't do that and see how you feel and then just go to church the next sunday and then just see how you feel and if you feel better going to church then just make the decision and easier said than done yeah make the decision but <laughs> it can be easy like for me it's not a it's not a it's not a question for me if I'm going to go to church Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's such an easy thing for me and I, I have to have it. 
because I gave myself the choice. But I think it would be a t- difficult thing for me, like sometimes with food stuff, because I've tortured myself in that area and I have to do this and I have to do and I have to do and I have to do where like now it's like in my head, you know? Yeah. But I think when we can lay things out on the table and maybe one night, don't read your scriptures, see how you feel the next night, read your scriptures, see how you feel. If you feel better, then just make the choice. Mm -hmm. And then it can become an easy choice because it's like, this really isn't that much ever and compare it. Like you're spending more time and more effort scrolling through social media than a 10 minute scripture study Mm -hmm. and maybe give yourself both do 10 minutes of social media than 10 minutes of scripture study and Mm -hmm. see what makes you feel better but i promise as you as you fill your life with more light you start operating on a frequency that you only want light christ is in my opinion in the details of the details of your life and not off of like a behavior and an action that you do because a behavior and an action or a word you're said or a deed that you do is not who you are. Mm-hmm. Like we are who I are with no words and no thoughts just in our very being, you know? I love that. I love that principle. I love what we've talked about today. First, surrounding yourself with good people, right? And bringing that light into your life. So important. And second, um, giving yourself the option. And I don't think forcing yourself to do something, don't force yourself to to be miserable and because you're not going to find joy in it if you're forcing yourself to be there but going and and just feeling and seeing hey like do I feel better when I do this do I feel better when I eat healthy do I feel better when I work out do I feel better when I read my scriptures and Mm -hmm. then if it does make you feel better even though it's a little uncomfortable just go forward with that and Mm -hmm. your testimony will start to grow Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's beautiful. Getting out of that dark place. That's how you slowly climb that ladder. Right. And sure. it's with, it's with Jesus and it's with other people and it's, and it's a slow progression and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, it doesn't have to be a miserable one. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't through Jesus. Yeah. Through Jesus. I mean, and he's there every step of the way with you. Yeah. You know? so. For sure. For sure. And truth is truth and it'll never cease to be truth. I think that's something that needs to be said. Like, oh, absolutely. Even in the tough moments life can still be good like i'm sleeping on my mom's couch right now you know what i mean (laughs) yeah like like we're we're finding a place to live but i'm still so happy yeah because of christ yeah you know yeah like yeah you can look at that situation and say it's tough but i'm happy because of jesus yeah so that's beautiful thank you for listening if you have any questions or would like to be interviewed yourself please contact us at beyondthecomplexity at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram. Our username is Beyond the Complexity. If you would like to get Institute credit for listening to this podcast, then email us your name and birthday so we can get you registered. If you would like to help out with the Institute and special projects like this, please reach out. We could always use more help on the marketing team here at the Institute, and there are so many opportunities to volunteer. Also, if you are a young adult in Utah County, come join us here at the Institute and sign up for a class. See you soon.